Hi everyone, Matt here. The current book we're reading is Peter Pan and we started it in episode 15. So if you haven't been listening to the podcast so far, I suggest going back to episode 15 so that you know what's going on. If you're brand new to the podcast, I'd say go back to episode two where we read Alice's Adventures in Wonderland and you can binge all the way from there. Thanks. Hello and welcome to the Lazy Book Club podcast, the book club for those who don't want to read or leave the house. My name is Matt Gonzalez. I'm David Cox. And I'm Josh Matheson. No fruity greeting this week, David? No, I didn't feel like it. Didn't fancy it. I just had a coffee and as I was drinking it, I was like, what can I say? But in the sort of the moment, I was like, nope, do you know what? Let the humour happen. Don't enforce it. <laughs> Keep it nice. Yeah. The thunderclouds have kind of started <laughs> yeah. to settle in. And... Don't bring it in. Don't bring like an idea. It's I think Okay, it has to be organic. We're going to be op- op- open for it to happen. It'd be really awkward if this is just like no funny stuff at all. <laughs> well, <laughs> like, I mean, the chapters are getting darker as we go on. It's true. As we've true. said. So who knows? It might just get horrifying rather than funny from here on out. We'll find out. But this week we're looking at chapter 14 of Peter Pan, which if I remember correctly from last week is The Pirate Ship. Correct. A lovely on-the-money title again by J.M. Barry. I wonder it's set. Mm. Yeah, no, exactly. It's, it, I don't think it takes much to decipher that code. Quite easy to crack. Cryptic. So last week, Captain Hook managed to get into the home under the ground and we had this really creepy, psycho... So creepy. Lurking in the shadows, paedophile, looking at Peter sleeping kind of moment, which made us all feel very uncomfortable. Yeah. But just before he left, because he couldn't get into the room, Captain Hook put some poison into Peter's medicine, which was ultimately drunk by Tinkerbell to save Peter's life. And we had the moment where Peter asked all the readers around the world, do you believe in fairies to save her life? It was a, a literary pantomime and we all shouted. It was fun. a literal literary pantomime. <laughs> do you know what? I was, it's funny. I was, uh, I was on the bus the other day and I, and I knew someone must have been listening to our podcast because they were on, on the back of the 284 on the way to Lewisham and they shouted, I do believe in fairies. So it, 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 um, <laughs> didn't make up that anecdote. Um, <laughs> so you met Crazy Tracy then on the bus? Yes, I don't know. <laughs> Actually, now it comes to that she didn't have any earphones in. No, and she was talking to her shoulder like there was a fairy on it. <laughs> <laughs> it's Lewisham. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this week, we're assuming that Peter's going to go on the rescue and take on the pirates head on so i'm actually quite excited about this chapter i'm hoping this is going to be the culmination of the last 13 chapters of there not really being a lot of action yeah surely surely this is the big finale or the ramp up to the big finale we've got to be got to be nearly there i don't want him to describe the battle like he did the last one it's my problem it's like the strategy God, please, please, JM. Yeah, it's like a history textbook, wasn't it? Mm. This is a this is a global classic. I want you to. I, I want it to end going like, do you know what? That was absolutely worth the build. Yeah. Not go. I don't want to go. I want. I don't want to come having gone like. Ah, uh, okay. Well, yeah. Okay, if happens. he describes the fight like he did the chapter at Maruna's Rock, do you know what I mean? Where it was like that was a bit more of a blow by blow 
yeah, kind of between the boys and the pirates. That that was actually quite a good little fight. Yeah, thing. that was better. Yeah, it was. So hopefully it's along those those lines. I think it's just because Jay and Berry wanted to kill off all of the Native Americans, but then was like, yeah. is this harsh? I shouldn't probably shouldn't describe this. He's, he didn't feel settled while there were people no, different exactly. ethnicities on the island. Yeah. <laughs> so there's too much diversity. Bye. <laughs> well, I'm not being funny. Most Victorian children, this was the height of colonialism, right? I mean, I, I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure Britain was starving 25 million Indian people right now yep. during this book. So, I mean, I'm pretty sure the kids probably, well, I don't know, depends don't I, on how good the british propaganda machine is i suppose yeah i'm not sure that that, i'm not sure your average brit would have been very aware of that sort of stuff no probably not that's gonna be the surprise ending britain invade neverland (laughs) (laughs) and start nicking all its sugar (laughs) and then in the in the 60s they're gonna leave neverland independent but without any resources no it's a government and a puppet king (laughs) (laughs) it's gonna be nibs isn't it Right, so we jump in then. Chapter 14. Yes. Yes, let's. Chapter 14. The Pirate Ship. One green light squinting over Kids Creek, which is near the mouth of the Pirate River, marked where the brig, the Jolly Roger, lay low in the water. A rakish-looking, speedy-looking craft, foul to the hull, every beam in her detestable, like a ground strewn with mangled feathers, She was the cannibal of the seas, and scarce needed that watchful eye, for she floated immune in the horror of her name. The the horror of her name. She's called the Jolly Roger, right? Yeah, it sounds like a great place. That's what I mean. It sounds like the magic bus, like, coming round. Somewhere for a kid's party. Yeah. They've got a ball pond. (laughs) Mum, can we go to the Jolly Roger? Yeah, I'm imagining, like, glitter cannons and streamers. (laughs) and. (laughs) Yeah. Peter hates glitter. It's not quite the curse of the Black Pearl, is it? No, that's what I mean. The Black Pearl is such a good name. I think it's the name Roger as well. Yeah, he's really an old middle-aged man who's worried about his lawn. It's like, all right, Rog, you okay? Yeah, not it's too the bad. Memo- it's in memoriam of a caretaker that Captain Hook was fond of. <laughs> he was 15, he was from Ryslip. <laughs> she was wrapped in the blanket of night, through which no sound from her could have reached the shore. There was little sound and none agreeable save the whir of the ship's sewing machine at which Smee sat, (laughs) ever industrious and obliging. (laughs) I love how they've got a... What? Is he running a sweatshirt? You've got to have a seamstress on board. (laughs) Is he like, we've just captured an audience, we need new outfits. (laughs) (laughs) He's just got some fabrics. Is he doing his textiles GCSE at the same time? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, is he? He's got to make sustainable tote bags for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> With a skull and crossbones on, I'd buy yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Ever industrious and obliging, the essence of the commonplace, pathetic Smee. I know not why he was so infinitely pathetic, unless it were because he was so pathetically unaware of it, but even strong men had to turn hastily from looking at him and more than once on summer evenings he had touched the fount of Hook's tears and made it flow. Of this, as of almost everything else, Smee was quite unconscious. A few of the pirates leant over the bullocks, drinking in the miasma, putrid mist of the night, 
Others sprawled by barrels over games of dice and cards, and the exhausted four who had carried the little house lay prone on the deck, where even in their sleep they rolled skilfully to this side or to that out of Hook's reach, lest he should claw them mechanically in passing. That's a stressful night's sleep, isn't it? Yeah. Like, I'm going to say. <laughs> like we've all been in situations when you're growing up or like, you know, just, just sleeping near people. But it, it sort of adds a little bit more of the stakes with the person sleeping next to you has got a gigantic hook. Yeah. The closest <laughs> I've ever come to that was one Christmas when we were all sort of piled in the living room, all the kids. And um, I woke up under the Christmas tree with like needles in my face. <laughs> <laughs> That's not the same. But <laughs> So were they judging Smee for sewing? That seemed to be like the no, start ju- of that. They're judging him for being pathetic in every sense of the word. I was just wondering if it was like a gender stereotype thing of like, you know, how pathetic is this man doing a woman's work kind of thing? I thought that's what the author was getting at. Maybe. It wouldn't surprise me if he was. Mm. Hook trod the deck in thought. Oh, man, unfathomable. It was his hour of triumph. Peter had been removed forever from his path and all the other boys were in the brig, about to walk the plank. It was his grimmest deed since the days when he had brought barbecue to heel, and knowing as we do how vain a tabernacle is man, could we be surprised had he now paced the deck unsteadily, bellied out by the winds of his success. But there was no elation in his gait, which kept pace with the action of his sombre mind, Hook was profoundly dejected. He was often thus when communing with himself on board ship, in the quietude of the night. It was because he was so terribly alone. This inscrutable man never felt more alone than when surrounded by his dogs. They were socially inferior to him. Hook was not his true name. Oh! That explains David Dickfingers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, his name's James. It's all come together. Brown, no. I, w- I want to find out what his real name is now. <laughs> I'm going to love if his name's like Alan or something, or like <laughs> Keith. <laughs> Keith. To reveal who he really was would even to this date set the country in a blaze. But as those who read between the lines must already have guessed, he had been at a famous public school and its traditions still clung to him like garments, with which they are largely concerned. Are we like to find out that Hook went to Eton or something? Yeah. Yeah. Or Harrow. Harrow was quite big then as well, wasn't it? I'd, I'd love to see the Eton reunion 25 years later. You've got prime ministers, <laughs> CEOs. What are you doing now? <laughs> Murdering boys! <laughs> I'm a murderous villain in an imaginary land! <laughs> <laughs> Story, bro. <laughs> Thus it was offensive to him even now to board a ship in the same dress in which he grappled, attacked her, and he still adhered to his walk to the school's distinguished slouch. But above all, he retained the passion for good form. Good form. However much he may have degenerated, he still knew that this is all that really matters. From far within him he heard a creaking as of rusty portals, and through them came a stern tap-tap-tap like hammering in the night when one cannot sleep. Have you been good form today? was their eternal question. Fiam, fiam, that glittering bauble, it is mine, he cried. Is it quite good form to be distinguished at anything? The tap-tap from his school replied. I am the only man whom Barbecue feared, he urged, 
and Flint feared barbecue. Barbecue, Flint, what house? came the cutting retort. Most disquieting reflection of all, was it not bad form to think about good form? I'm not sure what's happening here. He's yeah, pontificating and this is not exciting. I quite liked him like walking up and down. Like it's like they're walking the plank, but it's still knit enough. And then it's like, yeah, I'm just quickly having a little look through like the analysis. Just, but I think it might be good to jump in with this here just because they seem to be going on about this for a while. Uh, good form is by definition any behavior that is per- perfectly consistent with current social conventions. Hook's yearning for good form is closely related to Mr. Darling's desire to impress his neighbours, yet good form is also something mysterious, which rests on the lack of care about good form. It is unconscious or unselfconscious the way Peter is. And finally, Hook realises that his unachievable quest for good form may not even be a quest for the right thing. Good form might make a person likeable or impressive, but does it render a person lovable? Oh, wow. That's a thing. That's a whole essay that could be. Yeah. So it's obviously kind of looking at the way that a lot of these very traditional schools and other things like that, and probably traditional class structures. Obviously, if if Hook went to a good school, it probably means that he's from good breeding and he's probably from upper class. And it's all this very kind of thing of appearances. How do things appear? How do I, how am I perceived by my peers yeah you know yeah. that's almost more important than anything else like than being a good person or you know being reputable or anything like that and, and as you as were saying just just because you are someone who has all those airs and graces does that actually make you more lovable or more likable or does it just make you a reflection of society and with no personality i don't know yeah makes sense it does. seems an odd time to have this uh existential crisis though well particularly because there's more pressing matters at hand that the narrator could be focusing on well, yeah exactly <laughs> like some of some of the most important characters are about to plop off the edge of the boat walking off the plank and we're, yeah. we're, we're having this crisis of appearance with hook pacing up and down His vitals were tortured by this problem. It was a claw within him sharper than the iron one, and as it tore him, the perspiration dripped down his tallow, waxy countenance and streaked his doublet. Oft-times he drew his sleeve across his face, but there was no damning that trickle. Ah, envy not, Hook. There came to him a presentiment of his early dissolution, death. It was as if Peter's terrible oath had boarded the ship. Hook felt a gloomy desire to make his dying speech, lest presently there should be no time for it. So is it almost like because he thinks Peter's dead that part of himself has died? It seems like he's mentally spiralling right now. And I wonder if it's that thing of like wanting something for so long and then when you finally get it, you're like... Oh, well, this isn't as yeah. good as I thought it was going to be. Yeah, he's like, what now? It's like his life's mission is over and now he's like... Yeah, he has no purpose. He has no sense of meaning anymore. We've, we've, yeah. we've, we've finished off the Indians. We've captured the Lost Boys. Like, what are they going to do to sail around and do nothing? Better for Hook, he cried, if he had had less ambition. It was in his darkest hours only that he referred to himself in the third person nor little children to love me. Strange that he should think of this, which had never troubled him before. Perhaps the sewing machine brought it to his mind. For long he muttered to himself, staring at Smee, 
who was hemming placidly under the conviction that all children feared him. I wonder what he was hemming. Was he hemming curtains or something like that? I'm just, I'm just trying to think <laughs> like a sort of really mundane. I think pantaloons. <laughs> pantaloons. Oh, yeah. Bloomers. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bloomers. Because I, I, I imagine the hem on those is very sort of specific because it it's all about the sort of the tight bit and then it, the ruffle. Yeah, the ruffle. <laughs> feared him. Feared Smee. There was not a child on board the brig that night who did not already love him. He had said horrid things to them and hit them with the palm of his hand because he could not hit with his fist, but they only clung to him the more. Michael had tried on his spectacles. What? I think they. I think Smee must be this little cute little pet that they can all get along well with. Is this like Stockholm Syndrome? I have no idea. After a day? It's probably the case that Smee might look like the least threatening person out of everybody so they're clinging to him thinking he might save them from hook or some of the other bad men i'm going to die but don't i look cute <laughs> it's the lesser of 12 evils probably smee is grief michael to tell poor smee that they had thought him lovable hook itched to do it but it seemed too brutal instead he resolved this mystery in his mind why do they find smee lovable he pursued the problem like the sleuth-hound that he was. If Smee was lovable, what was it that made him so? A terrible answer suddenly presented itself. Good form. Had the bosun good form without knowing it, which is the best form of all, he remembered that you have to prove you don't know you have it before you are eligible for Pop, an elite social club at Eton. All right. He did go to Eton <laughs> With a cry of rage, he raised his iron hand over Smee's head, but he did not tear. Could you imagine being in Smee's position? You're just sitting there sewing, and all you hear is, ah! <laughs> <laughs> but then nothing happens. Uh, absolutely nowhere. And you just turn around, and there's just your boss with his claw just over your head, and it just goes, <laughs> 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 and just kind of walks away. What the hell is going on? I'm just trying to make these curtains. Just because he's deeply insecure. To claw a man because he is good form. What would that be? Bad form. The unhappy Hook was as impotent, powerless, as he was damp, and he fell forwards like a cut flower. His dogs, thinking him out of the way for a time, discipline instantly relaxed, and they broke into a bacchanalian dance, which brought him to his feet at once. Bacchanalian, in case you want to know. I'm doing Matt's job now, and I love it. Do it. So it comes from the Roman god Bacchus, who is the god of drunken revelry. Yes. Um, yeah. So he's a Dionysus in Greek. Yeah, Dionysus, mythology. and they just changed it because they were extra. Uh, but yeah, a Bacchanalian really cool. party is a wild, wine-soaked, rowdy affair, which sounds great. Orgies. Uh, it does say... <laughs> Orgies. So if you go on, on Google, Bacchanalian, characterised by or given to drunken revelry. Example... A Bacchanalian orgy. Oh, lovely. No, Tinkerbell's there. All traces of human weakness gone, as if a bucket of water had passed over him. Quiet, you scugs, he cried, or I'll cast anchor in you. Are all the children chained so they cannot fly away? Aye, aye. Then hoist them up. The wretched prisoners were dragged from the hold, all except Wendy, enranged in line in front of him. For a time he seemed unconscious of their presence. He lolled at his ease, humming, not unmelodiously, snatches of a rude song, 
and fingering a pack of cards. Ever and anon, the light from his cigar gave a touch of colour to his face. Now then, bullies, he said briskly. Six of you walk the plank tonight, but I have room for two cabin boys. Which of you is it to be? Oh, it's like a competition. <laughs> oh, it is. He's going to have a raffle. He's got a big tombola. He's got a talent show. Don't irritate him unnecessarily, had been Wendy's instructions in the hold, so Tootles stepped forward politely. Tootles hated the idea of signing under such a man, but an instinct told him that it would be prudent to lay the responsibility on an absent person, and though a somewhat silly boy, he knew that mothers alone are always willing to be the buffer. All children know this about mothers, and despise them for it, but make constant use of it. So Tootles explained prudently, You see, sir, I don't think my mother would like me to be a pirate. Would your mother like you to be a pirate, Slightly? He winked at Slightly, who said mournfully, I don't think so, as if he wished things had been otherwise. Would your mother like to be a pirate, Twin? I don't think so, said the first Twin, as clever as the others. Nibs would. Of course, Nibs <laughs> And Hook was like, I was hoping for better. <laughs> <laughs> Store this gab, roared Hook, and the spokesmen were dragged back. You boy, he said, addressing John. You look as if you had a little pluck in you. Didst never want to be a pirate, me hearty. Now, John had sometimes experienced this hankering at maths. <laughs> what his teacher had threatened that unless he did his homework she, he was going to walk the plank or like what maybe that's yeah, gonna, apparently, like yeah. they can save their bacon if they solve this problem yeah how draconian was their <laughs> school in victorian times yeah they were like <laughs> fearful for their life in maths got results <laughs> yeah it's true <laughs> and he was struck by hooks picking him out i once thought of calling myself red-handed jack he said diffidently and a good name too. We'll call you that here, bully, if you join. You only call someone red-handed if they get caught. So surely, like, only a bad thief would be called red-handed because they're always getting caught. Wow. Maybe it's an irony. Someone who got away with it all the time, would you wouldn't call them red-handed. No. He's basically like just admitting Jack. that he's going to be a terrible pirate. What do you think, Michael? Asked John. What would you call me if I join? Michael demanded. Blackbeard Joe. <laughs> <laughs> the <Cool>. voice helped. <laughs> I was sitting there trying to think, like, what stupid name to give a baby, and Blackbeard is just the best <laughs> thing ever. Michael was naturally impressed. What do you think, John? He wanted John to decide, and John wanted him to decide. Shall we still be respectful subjects of the king? John inquired. Through Hook's teeth came the answer. You would have to swear down with the king. Perhaps John had not behaved very well so far, but he shone out now. Then I refuse, he cried, banging the barrel in front of Hook. And I refuse, cried Michael. Rule Britannia, squeaked Curly. <laughs> the infuriated pirates buffeted them in the mouth and Hook roared out. That seals your doom. Bring up their mother. Get the plank ready. They were only boys, and they went white 
when they saw Dukes and Ketcho preparing the fatal plank. But they tried to look brave when Wendy was brought up. No words of mine can tell you how Wendy despised those pirates. To the boys there was at least some glamour in the pirate calling, but all that she saw was that the ship had not been tidied for years. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Wendy, man. Priorities, yeah. come on. You should be looking for escape, you know, exit. Not a broom. For a, for a weapon... For a way to pick your pancart. I'd, lo- I'd of, love no, Wendy no, like, to have done the like to be doing the escape and not like judging the cleaning skills. It's just like ah. Oh. There was not a porthole on the grimy glass of which you might have written with your finger, "Dirty pig," <laughs> and she had already written it on several. <laughs> <laughs> I love. Do you know what? Actually, I take it. I back. take it back. Yeah. <laughs> It's a small act of rebellion. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> Maybe if you knew you were screwed, like that's the best thing you yeah, could do. Yeah, it's true. But as the boys gathered round her, she had no thought, of course, save for them. So, my beauty, said Hook, as if he spoke in syrup. Ugh. You are to see your children walk the plank. Fine gentleman though he was, The intensity of his communings had soiled his ruff, and suddenly he knew that she was gazing at it. With a hasty gesture, he tried to hide it, but he was too late. Did he just dribble on himself? Um, maybe? (laughs) Yes, soiled his ruff, it doesn't say how. Are they to die? asked Wendy, with a look of such frightful contempt that he nearly fainted. They are, he snarled. Silence all! he called gloatingly, for a mother's last words to her children. At this moment, Wendy was grand. These are my last words, dear boys, she said firmly. I feel that I have a message to you from your real mothers. And it is this. We hope our sons will die like English gentlemen. Even the pirates were awed, and Tootles cried out hysterically. I am going to do what my mother hopes. What are you going to do, Nibs? What my mother hopes. What are you going to do, <laughs> twin? What my mother hopes. John, what a... But Hook had found his voice again. Tie her up, he shouted. It was Smee who tied her to the mast. See here, honey, he whispered. I'll save you if you promise to be my mother. Oh, that is pathetic. (laughs) We can see a little bit of that now, can't we? Yeah. But not even for Smee would she make such a promise. I would almost rather have no children at all, she said disdainfully, scornfully. It is sad to know that not a boy was looking at her as Smee tied her to the mast. The eyes of all were on the plank, that last little walk they were about to take. They were no longer able to hope that they would walk it manfully, for the capacity to think had gone from them. They could stare and shiver only. Hook smiled on them with his teeth closed and took a step toward Wendy. His intention was to turn her face so that she could see the boys walking the plank one by one, but he never reached her. He never heard the cry of anguish he hoped to wring from her. He heard something else instead. It was the terrible tick-tick of the crocodile. They all heard it, 
pirates, boys, Wendy, and immediately every head was blown in one direction, not to the water whence the sound proceeded, but toward Hook, all knew that what was about to happen concerned him alone, and that from being actors they were suddenly become spectators. Very frightful was it to see the change that came over him. It was as if he had been clipped at every joint. He fell in a little heap. <laughs> oh, that's pathetic as well. Just like crumples like a puppet. <laughs> it's a shivering wreck in the corner. The sound came steadily nearer, and in advance of it came this ghastly thought. The crocodile is about to board the ship. Even the iron claw hung inactive, as if knowing that it was no intrinsic part of what the attacking force wanted. Left so fearfully alone, any other man would have lain with his eyes shut where he fell. But the gigantic brain of Hook was still working and under its guidance he crawled on the knees along the deck as far from the sound as he could go. The pirates respectfully cleared a passage for him, and it was only when he brought up against the bullocks that he spoke. Hide me! he cried hoarsely. They gathered round him, all eyes averted from the thing that was coming aboard. They had no thought of fighting it. It was fate. Only when Hook was hidden from them did Curiosity loose the limbs of the boys so that they could rush to the ship's side to see the crocodile climbing it. Then they got the strangest surprise of the Night of Nights, for it was no crocodile that was coming to their aid. It was Peter. He signed to them not to give vent to any cry of admiration that might arouse suspicion. Then he went on ticking. End of chapter. Mm. He's pretending to be a clock. Yeah. What a clever lad. Because obviously there is only one clock on the whole island, so he can't be walking around with one. So he must just be... Yeah. Making it with his mouth. Mm. He's obviously very good at impersonating. He's like you, Josh. Yeah. <laughs> He's a voice coach. <laughs> and acting coach. Yeah. Which would make <laughs> sense because obviously, remember, he was always making the boys commit to whatever fantasy improv he was doing at the time. So that chapter wasn't as action-packed as I thought. It, it was just all the preamble up to Peter Pan arriving. Yeah. I was hoping we were going to get straight in with Peter Pan storming the ship, but at least, I mean, he can't delay this any longer, surely. Now that surely, Peter's on please. the ship, like they can't, he can't drag this out. Like the next chapter has to be the altercation. It's yeah, gotta be. So. It's gotta be. Because we've only got three chapters left of this book, haven't we? So the next chapter is chapter fifteen. Yeah. yeah. So like, because they've got to go. Presumably, some of them have got to go home. Yeah. And it took them a whole chapter to get there. So I'm guessing it's going to take them a whole chapter to get home as well. It's going to be like the return yeah. flight, chapter seventeen. <laughs> Yeah, maybe, there's, maybe, there's, maybe it's a tailwind and they'll just sleep on the yeah. journey. <laughs> it's slightly shorter on the way back. It's a night flight. <laughs> right, so I'm looking at lit charts on this one. Lit yeah, yeah. I'm lit, I'm lit, I'm lit charts, yeah. I like that one, David, that was great. And there's a few little things here and there. Um, <laughs> one here, just analysis at the start, which was all about the Jolly Roger so it says, pirates have historically been linked to anarchism, a social philosophy whose advocates oppose all forms of authority, including social hierarchies. 
Pirates are free elements who do not swear allegiance to any government. Pirates are and anarchists even have a symbol in common, the black flag. In this context, Hook's obsession with minute social distinctions is sadly comical and suggests that adults can't actually ever escape those social strings enveloping them. So you've got this kind of paradox here where you you've got a pirate where we don't we don't subscribe to any government we don't subscribe to any kind of authority yet you've got the person who's in authority in that setting firstly there's someone in 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 a in a leadership position and secondly that person is really really hot on social norms and graces and having good form and kind of good breeding as it were and yeah, yeah. It just to show that like even though he's been taken out of the context of like being an eaten upper class school kid or whatever he's not managed to escape that completely and he's still carrying around this kind of pomp and this social convention from his previous life when he was just you know a young man in britain i suppose he can't shake his privilege no it's interesting that Smee is almost revered as a more well, uh, a far better put together person. He's mistaking almost the kid's attraction to Smee as a good form, but it could just be because the kids look at him and go, "Oh, he's harmless. I'd rather be behind him or next to him than next to the guy with the big iron hook." Yeah, and the others are just salty dogs that, at, the, at a moment's notice, go into bacchanalian revelry mm. i'm gonna say that so many times now i reckon if you're on a pirate ship <laughs> the pathetic looking man with glasses using the sewing machine probably would seem like the the, the most harmless out of everybody on the ship yeah, yeah but there also seems to, a bit like the last chapter there also seems to be a little bit of you know like how hook was almost seemed almost mad at himself for how much he sort of had this obsession over peter i think he's almost mad at himself that he's that he cares yeah that he wants to come across as good in yeah. some way. He's like, what, what, why? Why can't I just be, you know, but he can't shake it. Yeah, it's because it's kind of weird because you say he plans to kill these children anyway, yet for some reason he seems to care what they think of him. And in that sense, yeah. he's kind of quite insecure or like has low self-esteem or do you know what I mean? Yeah, at L- Mermaid's Lagoon, the two the things that they said that the, that Hook and Peter have in common was they both the ego they both had such a big ego yeah. that it was like debilitating. Yeah, he's so worried about how people, even this child who he doesn't care about, and he's going to make walk the plank. He's like, just checking though before you go. I'm cool, right? <laughs> 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 yeah, Hook, you're cool. Great, off you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, maybe don't like spit and splutter all over your rough well yeah well that's the thing that's hilarious like you got a grown-ass man who's embarrassed in front of like what a 10 year old girl at the fact that he's dribbled down himself (laughs) oh i'm sorry (laughs) what will she think of me (laughs) (laughs) but how sad is that where like a grown pirate turns to a 10 year old girl and goes i'll save you if you be my mum like oh creepy so creepy so next week we've got chapter 15 so yeah so i I suppose now is a good time for us to play guess what the next chapter's called Uh, i'm not sure i think i feel like it might just be like i'll give you i'll give you a clue the clue the clue is it's the only chapter that i that we've had so far uh, maybe even in the whole book that's written in quotation marks so it's supposed to be oh like, the words of, the words it. of a character well who yeah. do do you do you know who's can you remember who said 
the words or who or do you, is there any clue as to who has said them or who will say them you can yeah i mean they ha- yeah it's it's going to be something that comes up in the chapter i'm guessing and and you can assume from context that it's peter who says it okay uh i'm going to say on guard okay okay is it like i've got you now hook or something like that oh you know you're not far away you uh-huh. definitely get a you definitely get a point for hook okay so chapter 15 is called Hook or me this time. Oh, uh, yeah. No, Peter said that last chapter. Oh, did he? Yeah. Oh. He well, said in the it one at we the end read? of chapter 13. Oh. He says it at the end of it. He goes, it's hook or me this time. And that's when he leaves the home to go to the pirate ship. Well, Don't remember I, that. I'm observant, aren't I? So, but it's probably a flash. It, it, well, it's not a flashback. It's a callback to that line to basically say like, to set up the next fight of like Peter's not going to let him get away this time. It's like one of us is going to die. It's the Harry Potter Voldemort moment. It's yeah. the neither can live while the other survives. Brilliant. Well, I'm looking forward to that because it finally means that this altercation might finally happen. Yeah. Oh, it's only taken like four chapters. Yeah. To get and to what it. seems like eight years of my life. I know. It's just ugh. Well, if you have any comments or opinions on this chapter, you can message us at thelazybookclub at gmail.com. We are on Twitter and our handle is at lazybookclubpod. And we've got exactly the same handle on our Instagram, at lazybookclubpod. Now, what actually happened last week is we moved our hosting from Podbean over to Anchor. And what's quite cool about Anchor is if you are listening to us through that app, you can actually send us a voice message, which we can also include in our episodes. So if you would like to have your opinion put on the podcast, download Anchor, listen to the podcast from there, and you can send us a little voicemail back and you might end up in the show. Isn't that exciting? Oh, exciting. That's cool. That's yeah. Love I that. thought that was a very nice touch there by Anchor. Mm. Congratulations, well done. Great that stuff. also means that <laughs> if you are listening to this podcast through Podbean, that that feed will actually get cut off this month. So you might want to try downloading a different app, maybe Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or Spotify or Pocket Cast or any of those, any of those places you can get your podcasts and you'll be able to continue listening to Peter Pan uninterrupted from there. The feed's already switched over. So from there, it will all be plain sailing. So next week, chapter 15, hook or me. No, wait, hang on. No, what was it again? (laughs) You're right, you're right. It's hook or me. I love the commitment to it. Also, it was a completely wrong voice because he's Irish and I just did a random pirate voice. Can I hear you try it though, Matt? In Irish? this time. Yeah. yeah. I I mean, what does an Irish person even sound like? Top of the morning. Move your Um, arm at the same time. Oh, this is going to sound so... Oh, I don't know. I, I can't do it. Oh, you can. I I believe in you. If you listen to this now, and then you can uh, no. model it. Down it's hook or me. <laughs> that that I, was all right. I give it five. <laughs> I definitely sound like I should be in uh, Father Ted. <laughs> but like, not the good Irish accents, the bad ones. Dougal, it's hook or me. <laughs> <laughs> that was a very weird episode. Go on, give us the title again in Peter Pan's voice properly. Chapter 15, Hook or Me This Time. There you go. You got the aggression behind it as well. I liked it. Thanks. Right, we'll <laughs> see you then. Bye. That Bye. is all. <laughs> got it in. <laughs>